Welcome to His Hands, His Feet podcast. I'm your host, Kenneth Camp. Well, as many of you know, if you are not new to this podcast, the purpose and the reason for it is to equip, encourage, and compel you to live a life on mission. And I cover topics such as international missions, local ministry, nonprofit work, discipleship even at times. And of course, many of them are in the foster care and adoption uh, arena or topic. And today, this episode is going to be one like I've never done before, and I'm going to have a few of these sprinkled in over the next several weeks. I'm working currently on a few different projects, and one of those is I am rewriting almost, revising for sure, and doing some pretty serious editing of my first book, Adopting the Father's Heart. And a couple of reasons why I'm doing that. One is um, four years ago when I or five years ago when I wrote it, and I published it about four years ago. Um, well, uh, I'll, I'll just put it bluntly, I'm a better writer, at least I think so, today than I was then. And so I wanted to um, tighten it up quite a bit, but also rewrite some portions of it, rearrange a couple of chapters, and then also add a couple of updated chapters at the end to bring the story up to date a little bit. Again, it is a narrative, the book, if you haven't read it or don't know anything about it. it was It's a narrative of our journey of um, deciding to foster um, and ending up adopting. And so it's not a how-to book. It really is uh, one that touches on more of the emotion behind um, why we decided to foster and adopt, what it was like to go through that process, and um, just all the different uh, things that we encountered. And so I'm not going to do a spoiler for you if you haven't read the book. But so that's one reason why I'm revising it and rewriting portions of it. The other is, is that the revised version um, I'm going to make available for sale on Amazon as a self-published book, uh, both ebook and in print. But I'm also going to give away a copy of it on my website, uh, a PDF copy of it to where you can uh, get a free copy for being an email subscriber. And so just a way to uh, get it in more people's hands. And so as I've been working on this project, I decided, you know what? Another thing that I'm going to do with this is I'm going to record an audio version of it. And so I've started working on that some. And that led me to think, well, you know, how about if I just recorded a couple chapters every now and then and make it a podcast episode to give you portions of it like that. And then I can use those recordings. If they are good recordings, I can use them for the audio version of the book as well. So there you go. That's what this episode is about. And I'm going to read um, through the first two chapters of this book uh, that I've already revised. And, and, read, and by reading it, I may even go back and, and make some more edits and revisions of it. So anyways, I um, want to share this with you over the next several weeks again. Here and there, there will be an episode of me reading chapters from my first book, Adopting the Father's Heart. Adopting the Father's Heart, Chapter 1. Are we ready for this? It was 2 a.m. and the baby's temperature spiked to 102 degrees. Danielle and I were exhausted. We had not gotten much sleep for over a week because we were getting up around 5 a.m. every day. 
Now this eight-month-old baby boy who had been sleeping in our large walk-in master bedroom closet was awake with a fever. At first, I thought that he awoke because he was afraid, not knowing where he was. He had been with us only for a few days, and we knew that he had endured some physical injuries, but we did not know everything he had experienced in his short life. He slept in our master bedroom closet because some out-of-town guests were staying at our house and needed both of our spare bedrooms. I wondered if being in this small room reminded him of something bad that had happened to him. Standing in the dark and blinking my eyes, I tried to wake up while I held this precious little boy. He screamed loudly. I was sure that he woke up our house guest. Daniel took his temperature again. It was still 102. We stood in the midst of his screams trying to discuss what we should do. We had never had children of our own, so we were not confident in our ability to take care of a baby, especially a sick one. Danielle decided to call the pediatrician's after-hours number. The nurse recommended giving him ibuprofen and checking his temperature again in the morning. What a classic response. Take two ibuprofen and call me in the morning. I felt like a first-time, overly cautious parent you hear pediatric nurses talking about. I probably was overly concerned about this new baby in my life, but didn't she understand that not only were we first-time parents, but also this children was not even ours? He finally went to sleep. In the morning when he woke up, his temperature was pretty much gone, so we thought we were out of the woods. But another sleepless night waited for us. That day was uncharacteristically busy. We spent some time with our out-of-town guests before they did some sightseeing. Then I took some other friends to the airport, leaving Danielle home with the baby. To make matters even more interesting, her car was in the shop, so she did not have any transportation. But it seemed like that baby felt better, or so we thought. After his morning nap, he woke up with a 104-degree temperature. Thankfully, Danielle had already made a doctor's appointment just in case the baby did not get better. But Danielle was close to panic mode by this point. She controlled her emotions as she called her sister-in-law, a pediatric nurse, to get more input. Danielle's sister-in-law recommended putting the baby in a bathtub with cool water in an attempt to bring down his temperature. She also suggested giving him some Pedialyte to keep him hydrated. Since Danielle didn't have a car, she called a friend to see if she could pick up the Pedialyte and drop it by. Danielle also called the baby's pediatrician's office again. The baby became listless and would not drink anything, and Danielle understandably became very concerned. After 20-plus years of marriage and not having ever our own children, we had decided to get involved in foster care. It took us over a year to get our certification, and then we turned down a few placements. Now we finally had a child placed with us, and he was extremely sick. We received more than 30 hours of training, but we did not feel anywhere close to being qualified to handle this. Eventually, Danielle brought down his temperature. I finally made it home and we went straight to the doctor's office. The poor little guy had an ear infection. No wonder he felt so bad. Thankfully, he was not seriously sick, but we had another long night before us. His fever spiked a couple more times, keeping us up several times throughout the night to monitor his temperature. We gave him medication every few hours to keep the fever down, and finally he felt better after a couple hours, or a couple of days. I felt confident that we made the right decision to foster children. We were excited to have this little guy in our home, 
But that night, along with the first couple of weeks, rocked my world. In spite of my resolve and excitement, I could not help but wonder if we were ready for this journey. Section 1, How We Began. Chapter 2, The Journey. Our Desire to Have Children. Danielle and I always wanted children, just not right away. We agreed to wait for five years because we felt that we needed time as a couple before adding kids to the mix. That probably was a good decision since both of us had some growing up to do, especially me. I know most people in their 20s still have some growing up to do and still raise a family, probably most of us. But looking back, I'm glad in some ways that we didn't have kids then. I couldn't imagine life without Danielle, but we are very, two very stubborn people. Over the years, we've had many intense conversations. We have spent countless hours in counseling to address all kinds of things from addiction and depression for me to anger management for Danielle. Even though our five-year wait had its challenging moments, we still agreed to begin trying to get pregnant. Months turned into years with no results. Our journey and struggle to have children is intertwined with our marriage struggles. When we first began trying to have children, Danielle had a surgical procedure done that could have been preventing her to get pregnant. I, on the other hand, was too insecure to even get a sperm count done. After Danielle's surgery, we continued to try to have a baby to no avail. If you've struggled with infertility, then you know the stress it puts on the relationship. Friends began talking to us about adoption. Two even approached us about an opportunity to adopt a baby. We turned down both. Honestly, adoption wasn't something we considered at that stage. Because many of our friends were in their early 30s like us by this time, they were having children, and at times they that made life emotionally difficult for us. I could not help but think that something was wrong with us. I over-rationalized things, offering some spiritual excuse for why things weren't turning out the way they were. And the years slowly slipped by without us ever getting pregnant. Later, my poor choices led to Daniel and I separating for eight months. When we got back together, I was 40 and Danielle was in her late 30s. We still had a desire to have our own children, so we decided to go through the steps again to see what needed we needed to do to get pregnant. I finally got my sperm count done, low, but should not have been an issue, and we never really knew the cause for us to not get pregnant. But not getting pregnant really did shake us to our core. We felt deep disappointment, a lack of identity, confusion and disillusionment, even a testing of our faith. As we grew older without having children, we often felt out of place. It forced us to adapt our approach to life. After some prayer and discussion, we decided to try some fertility treatments, and the doctor prescribed the first round of drugs. If you've gone down this road, you know what I'm about to say. Monthly doctor visits with strict instructions to follow. Stressful and intense is the only way I know how to describe it. Danielle went through the first round of drugs, and we made made sure to follow the specific schedule for intimacy every month, yet still no baby. After discussing the next phase with the doctor, Danielle and I prayed and talked about our options. We decided against moving forward. 
we decided that spending thousands of dollars with still no guarantee wasn't what we wanted. We knew in our hearts that it was all in God's hands anyway. Still, we were very sad. That is the understatement of the century. We were devastated. Unless God gave us a child, we possibly were never going to have children. Our thoughts and conversations turned more and more to adoption. Over the years, Danielle and I took turns in our willingness to adopt. Because of Danielle's strong desire to have children, adoption became more plausible, even desirable. For me, on the other hand, I began to spiritualize our journey. Maybe God has other plans for our lives, something that would be difficult with children, I thought to myself. I will come back to how adoption became a part of God's plan for us later, but for that time in our lives, we didn't have children. This presented both advantages and challenges. Advantages. If I could do it all over again, I would have had children early in our marriage. There are good reasons to have children when you're young. Still, I can choose to look at the glass half full and see how we had some advantages that most do not have. We simply did things like going and coming whenever we wanted, going out to eat at places that didn't have playgrounds, planning a date at the last second. Then we made big decisions like we did when I quit my job and we moved to Thailand for six months. We never considered school calendars when we planned vacations, and we traveled all over the world. We had extra time and income that otherwise would not have had with kids. Even silly things are selfish, depending on how you look at it, like having a quiet home, room to myself, and much less clutter to clean up. You know what? I would have traded all of that and more if we could have had children when we were younger friends of all ages. I don't think most realize that one big factor that dictates who we do life with depends on the ages of our children. Makes sense to me, but when you don't have children, who do you spend time with? When we were in our 20s, I didn't notice it much because our friends were just beginning to have kids, but when we reached our 30s, I began to notice it. We had friends of all ages. Why? Our friendships didn't hinge on the on our kids' ages. I also knew that if someone wanted to hang out with us, they wanted to hang out with us, not because we had kids the same age as theirs. I love having friends of all ages. Those who are older provide stability, guidance, and in some cases, mentorship. Younger friends keep us young at heart. I often forget that I am older, much older in some cases, than some of my friends, and I have to remind myself that I can and should share with them what I have learned from my experiences. Part of the family. Another advantage is that many of our friends, quote, adopted us into their families. This filled a void in my life, yet sadness crept in from time to time because of what I missed out on not being a father. It would not have mattered to me whether we had had girls or boys, athletic or studious, great-looking or nerdy. I would have loved being their father, spending time with them, helping them learn, helping them grow into adults. The unexpected moments hit me the hardest. I remember driving into our neighborhood one day after work and seeing a dad in the front yard throwing a baseball with his son. I saw that all the time, but for some reason that day, it was like a punch to my gut. 
I pulled into my driveway and sat there for several minutes with tears welling up in my eyes, wishing I had a son waiting for me at home to throw a baseball with him. I often long to share moments like that with my own son or daughter. What hurt even more was when I saw Danielle struggling. My heart would literally ache when I would see her sad, knowing that no words would suffice, so I just held her. Over the years, we attended many ball games, recitals, and birthday parties for the children of our friends. Many of our friends called us Aunt Danielle and Uncle Kenny. More than one family enlisted us as legal godparents to their children. If we had had our own children, I am not sure that we would have experienced many of these things or have been included in some of our friends' lives in these ways. I truly appreciate our friends who made us a part of their families' lives, even though it reminded me of what I did not have. Challenges I admit that this is a lot of cool advantages of never having our own children for so many years, but it also presented some challenges. Just as many families included us in their lives, many didn't. I don't blame them because I know it's common for families with similar age kids to hang out. Sometimes this is a conscious choice, sometimes not. I think most of the time it is unintentional. I have noticed that we all tend to gravitate toward relationships where we have the most common interests or where we're at a similar stage of life. Another challenge, which Danielle uh, had to endure much more than me, is baby showers. Usually, she lets friends who are having a baby shower know that she will not attend. Most understand, but some do not. It is simply too hard. Of course, baby showers are a time to celebrate, and Danielle is always excited about the miracle of a new baby. However, it is too painful to sit in a room where all the conversation is centered on babies and children. Sometimes the ability to have children is taken for granted. Baby showers are just one example of how a couple without children, especially when they want kids, can feel left out or uncomfortable. A big motivation to adopt was so that we could just simply fit in better. It is interesting to see how us not having children has affected who we have or don't have as friends. This next challenge might seem strange, but we wanted to have someone to help take care of us when we get old. I know that is not the most noble of reasons to want your own children or to adopt a child, but I have to admit that when you go for years without having children of your own, you think about these things. The bottom line is that our lives continued on, each passing year, quietly whispering in our ears that we were growing past the childbearing years. At the same time, we were possibly even becoming too old for anyone to consider us for adopting children. Even though it has been painful and sorrowful at times, not having children of our own, I am thankful for how that journey has molded me into the person I am today. I am also thankful for how it has brought Danielle and me closer to each other. It is ironic to me how God used a season of 50 years, including over 20 years of marriage, to prepare my heart all along to be a father. there you have chapters one and two of the revised Adopting the Father's Heart book. And stay tuned for the next reading, which will include chapter three, The Change of Plans, 
chapter 4, the process. I think you, especially if you're considering going on the journey of fostering and, and fostering to maybe adopt, you will get a lot out of those two chapters as you hear our story and the emotion behind, again, the change of plans that took place in our life and then also the process that we went through to get things rolling. So thank you again for joining me here at His Hands, His Feet podcast.